Hey Rich Girls, Kirby here, and today we are going to wrap up our discussion on college savings accounts, aka 529 accounts. We are going to dive into the nitty gritty of investments within your 529 account, how much you should be contributing every year if you want to fully pay for an undergraduate degree, and where you can hold these kinds of accounts based on what state you live in. This is Rich Girl's Guide, where we demystify the world of personal finance and help you create a financially successful and fulfilling life. I'm your host, Kirby Delicano, and I worked in wealth management for over six years before leaving the office to focus on my business and my family. In today's episode, we are continuing our discussion on college savings accounts or 529 accounts. I use these terms interchangeably, so just be aware if I start rambling on about 529s, I am still talking about college savings accounts. If you haven't already, definitely go check out part one. We answer a lot of the big picture questions about 529 accounts then come back to this one. By the way, I am focusing solely on college savings within the United States. Not gonna lie, I know zip about college savings in foreign countries. While I am going to be focusing on college savings accounts in this episode, you can absolutely use a lot of these same concepts for funding and choosing investments within an individual account or non-529 account. Let's start with opening your college savings account and choosing investments. Depending on the state in which you want to open your account, you may have several options to choose from, or you may only have one option. In my previous 529 episode, I mentioned a website that actually ranks 54 different college saving plans. Morningstar 529 ratings. Now, throughout today's episode, I am going to be navigating several different websites and an Excel spreadsheet. Are we really surprised here? So if you want to follow along visually, please check out this episode on YouTube or Spotify. I will link the Morningstar 529 ratings website below. And if I were you, I would start here and look through these plans for the state that you want to open your 529 account in. Utah and Pennsylvania top out this list with gold star ratings. So if you are looking to open an account in either of those states, definitely check out these two plans. I am going to be using the state of Virginia as our example today because they have two different options available and both are ranked on this website. Now, unfortunately, they are not gold star rated, but they are silver rated and we're just gonna take that as a W. Because I am a Virginia resident and the state of Virginia offers a small income tax deduction for contribution, it makes sense for me to open a 529 in the state of Virginia. As a quick reminder, if you live in a state that does not have state income tax, such as Florida, it might be beneficial to open a Utah or Pennsylvania 529 account and take advantage of those gold rated plans I mentioned earlier. You are not handcuffed into using a Utah 529 account for only schools in Utah. As long as you are opening a normal 529 account, not a prepaid account, you can use your 529 savings for schools in any state. Since both of the Virginia plans are silver rated, let's go to both websites and see what their investment options are. Each plan is going to have a small number of mutual fund options for you to choose from, and they are going to have different expenses and different returns. Let's first take a look at Invest 529. 
we will want to click on their portfolios and we first see they have target enrollment funds. Pretty much every 529 plan will have their own version of these funds and they act exactly the same as a target date retirement fund. The closer you get to the stated year of enrollment, the less risky the underlying holdings will be. For example, the 2042 target enrollment fund is meant for children who will be starting college in the year 2042. So basically newborn babies. This fund is going to be more risky in the first few years because it has a longer time horizon before you need to withdraw funds. If parents had a newborn baby 17 years ago, they may have opted to purchase into the 2024 target date portfolio. Over time, it became less risky as the kids got closer to starting college. Every year, the portfolio will get less and less risky, meaning you can set it and forget it. If you purchase into one of these funds, you will theoretically not have to change your investments at all. Looking at these options here, the expense ratio is actually pretty decent on these. The 2042 target enrollment fund that we are looking at has an expense ratio of 0.379%, meaning you are paying 0.379% in hidden fees to the 529 plan. This is not something you will see taken out on your statement. With a one-year return of 8.44%, I would be pretty comfortable purchasing into this myself. If you continue scrolling, you will see they also offer index funds and a small number of objective-based funds, such as aggressive growth and conservative income. In total, this plan has 24 different fund options for you to choose from. Not a ton, but enough for you to get the job done. Okay, let's go over to our second Virginia option, which is College America. Real quick, before we pop over there, if you are enjoying this episode and want to help me make more content to give you even more great money tips, please consider rating and reviewing the podcast wherever you are listening right now. This helps more people to find the show and helps me to create more valuable content for you. Let's get back to the show. Okay, so navigating over to the College America website, I am not going to lie, this website is a lot less user-friendly when trying to compare fund options. Let's start with those same target enrollment funds. I'm going to select their furthest out option, the longest option, which in this case is 2039. Now, when we click on the fund, we get a ton more information than we did on the Invest529 website. And I'm going to point out the three main things you should be looking at. First, we will want to compare the expense ratio. So here you can see the expense ratio for the College America target enrollment fund is 0.87%, which is quite a bit higher than the Invest529 target enrollment fund, which was only 0.379%. Now, two quick things about the expense ratio. Since these are target date funds that will get less risky over time, these are most likely going to be the most expensive funds available. Essentially, you are paying the financial company to manage those underlying holdings for you. Second, you always want to compare the expense ratio alongside the return. If you are paying a higher expense ratio and you are getting a higher return, you might not care that the fund is more expensive. However, if the returns are lower and the expense ratio is still higher, that would be a red flag for me. I'm not going to pay a premium for a product that is giving me a lower return on my investment. So let's see how their one year return is looking. Okay, so after the fees and everything, which is what return with sales charge means, College America has a one year return of 10.48%. 
Invest529 only had a 8.44% one-year return. So in my mind, I would be willing to pay the extra 0.491% in expenses to reap the extra 2.04% in annual returns. Now, if your objective is not getting the highest possible return, let's say your objective is to minimize expenses as much as possible, then you may want to opt for the Invest529. While returns are a great indicator as to how a fund has performed in the past and how they may perform in the future, there's absolutely no guarantee that the returns will continue to be higher with College America just because they were higher in the previous year. Okay, last thing I want to look for, I actually tried finding this earlier and it was a bit difficult to find, a whole list of College America fund options for their 529 accounts. They have seven target date funds available here. And then if you go to their 529 landing page and click on funds with a history of good results, this page will pop up with a ton of different funds and filters. You are going to want to go to the 529 share class, click the 529A option, and you can now see that they have 46 different fund options available, which does include those seven target date funds that we just looked at. So for me personally, the fact that this company has more fund options, they have 46 funds as opposed to Invest529, which had 24 funds. The fact that they have higher returns, even though the expenses are higher. And just from working in the industry in the state of Virginia, I have worked with both of these companies on behalf of clients and I much prefer working with College America. So my preference would be to go with College America. For someone who maybe does not need as many options available, maybe you only really care about the target date funds and you want to minimize your overall expenses, you may want to go with Invest529 and that would be a perfectly great option for you. Choosing one company over another is not going to make or break whether or not you can fully fund or even partially fund college. What will make or break that is how much you are contributing over time. So let's dive in. Now that we have a good idea of the investments we want to hold within the account, let's move on to one of the more elusive questions. How much should you be contributing to a 529 account? Well, it really depends on what exactly you want to pay for. If you want to cover a full four years worth of undergraduate expenses, that is going to look quite different from giving your child a flat dollar amount or splitting the cost 50-50. You are also going to want to discern between paying for an in-state school versus an out-of-state school, a public university versus a private university, and figure out ahead of time what expenses you are willing to cover. I'll be going over two examples today. The first will be backing into paying for four years of a full undergraduate degree in an in-state public school. So tuition, books, fees, housing, food, all of the expenses. The second example will be saving towards a flat dollar amount. Now, I found that these were the two most common examples when working directly with parents who were saving for college expenses. But if you have a different scenario that you would like me to run through in a future episode, please be sure to drop a comment down below and I will do my best to oblige. Let's run through the first example, paying for four years of a full undergraduate degree at an in-state public university. For better or for worse, there can be huge differences in the cost of in-state schools within your state. 
If you have a specific school in mind, maybe an alma mater or a popular in-state school that you would like to use as your guide, that is perfectly fine and will make this process a little bit easier. Otherwise, we are just going to Google average in-state tuition for the state that you live in. I will use Virginia as an example. I'm going to type in average cost of for your college in Virginia. The first thing that pops up isn't too terrible. It says average tuition for the state of Virginia is $16,029 for the 2021-2022 school year. Now, before you get too excited, you need to double check that this figure is for all college expenses not just school tuition. Tuition typically is just classes, does not include room and board, food, and all that fun stuff. I'm going to scroll down a bit and actually click on the link that takes me to this website, College Simply, and see if I can get some more information. Just skimming the first paragraph, it sounds like tuition is strictly just the classes. So I'm gonna scroll down some more and now I see a lot of individual Virginia schools listed with their specific tuition rates. The first school to pop up is, as luck would have it, Virginia Tech, go Hokies! Which just so happens to be my alma mater and the school that I am going to base our college savings account off of. Here I can see that the tuition is listed as $12,104, which I know for a fact does not include room and board. So let's click on it and see if we can get any more information. Once we scroll down, we can clearly see that figure is quickly inflating with the addition of books and supplies, other fees, room and board, and budget for other expenses. Our one-year total expense has increased to a total of $32,274. Ouch. Now, this figure is much more comfortable to me. As most of you already know, I would much rather be on the safe side, which would be assuming costs will be higher so that we have everything covered by the time school rolls around, rather than assume costs will be lower and have to scramble at the last second to pay for unplanned expenses. Once you have that figure in front of you, we are going to whip out your handy dandy Excel spreadsheet. Oh yes, you already knew that we were gonna create a little calculator for ourselves. The first thing we will want to do is type in the current calendar year, so 2024, and then in the next column, put our full year's worth of expenses, $32,274. Now I am going to insert another column to the left of our calendar year column, and this is going to be the age or grade of the beneficiary you are saving this money for. So in my case, I am actually going to type in K for kindergarten because that is easiest for me to figure out when my oldest daughter will theoretically be going to college. I am now going to type in the first grade, second grade, all the way down through senior year of high school. And then we are still going to keep going through senior year of college. So I now have 17 rows. The first 13 rows represent the remaining years until college starts. So essentially our lead up until our first college expense is incurred and the remaining four rows represent the four years that my oldest will be in college, presumably. So now I can go over the calendar year column, highlight the two years I have typed in and then drag the right hand corner down all 17 rows to get ascending years from kindergarten through senior year of college. Now the reason we are going to do this is twofold. First, we need to figure out how much tuition will be during those college years, 2037 to 2040. Because unfortunately, tuition will probably not be the same price as it is now. Second, we will need to figure out how much we are going to contribute year over year. 
Historically, tuition within the U.S. has risen anywhere from 4 to 6% annually, inclusive of inflation. In more recent years, tuition has actually declined when taking inflation into account. Whether that is due to a societal shift where high school graduates are wary of going to college and taking out student loans, or because inflation has just been so crazy that colleges have not raised prices to outpace it, Honestly, it doesn't really matter because we are going to be conservative and assume prices will be raised year over year. Now, I would definitely not bank on any decreases in college expenses in the future. That just seems like completely out of the question for me. Now, in the industry, we generally accounted for a 6% annual inflation rate. Again, being a little bit more on the conservative side. In researching for this episode, I found a very wide range of percentages. And I think this is partially due to the vast differences in public universities versus private universities and even the variances state to state. All of that to say, let's use a 6% annual inflation rate as a rule of thumb. If you have a specific school in mind and you can find a track record of annual expenses, then you can back into a more reliable figure. So going back to our spreadsheet, I am going to create a cell that is labeled annual college inflation rate. And I'm going to type in 6%. Directly below that, we are going to want to make a cell that is labeled annual return. This is approximately how much our investments within the college savings account are earning on an annual basis. I typically like to use 8% as a rule of thumb here. So I'm going to type in 1.08 into this cell. I'll explain that a little bit later when we get to the formula, but just whatever return number you wanna use, do a 1.0 and then the number. Now let's go over to our college expense column. We are going to type in the cell below the one with our current year expenses, and we are going to type out a formula to calculate next year's expenses. So type in the equal sign, open parentheses, click on the cell directly above, multiplication symbol, click on the cell with your inflation percentage, close parentheses, plus symbol, and then click on the cell above one more time. Press enter and you should have $34,210.44. You now have next year's annual expenses. So instead of typing out that formula for the next 15 rows, we can actually just add two dollar signs to that formula in our second cell. Find the reference for the inflation rate and type a dollar sign before the row letter and type a dollar sign before the column number. Press enter and then drag down the right-hand corner of that cell all the way down to, last, to the last year, 2040. The last cell should read as $81,987.31. This is the total annual expense in the year 2040, assuming inflation averages 6% annually. So now that we have this column completed, we are going to calculate how much in total we are planning to spend over the four years in college. I'm going to click on the cell below and type in equals, sum, open parentheses, highlight those last four cells that correspond to the four years your child will be in school, and then close parentheses and enter. So in total, we will be spending approximately $301,140.37. Okay, so let's move on to the next column, our contributions column. If you are currently making annual contributions, go ahead and put in that annual figure here. 
If you're trying to back into how much you should be saving annually, go ahead and leave this column blank for now. Next, we are going to make a withdrawal column. Now, these cells are going to be blank until we hit those four years of college because we are not going to be withdrawing funds until freshman year comes around. Last but not least, we are going to make an end of year college savings column. If you already have money saved, go ahead and include that figure in the first cell, which corresponds with the current year. You'll want to type in the equal sign, open parentheses, type in the current value of your college savings if you have any. If you don't have any, just type in zero. Type the plus sign, click on the first cell in the contributions column, type the minus sign, click the first cell in the withdrawal column, close parentheses, multiplication sign, and then click on your annual return rate. If you remember earlier, we added in a one to our annual return rate, which essentially just shortens our formula that we're typing in here since it's already so long. Hit enter and this figure represents your total savings plus the annual contribution amount plus the increase in your portfolio by 8%. Now we are going to type in the cell beneath it. Type in equals, open parentheses. We're gonna click on the cell directly above us, plus sign, Click on the contribution cell that is on our same row for the same calendar year, minus sign. Click on the withdrawal cell that is in our same row, close parentheses, multiplication sign, and then click on the annual return rate again. Click enter and then go back into that same cell. We're going to add in those dollar signs again to lock in our annual return cell. So type $1 sign before the annual return column, and another dollar sign before the annual return row. Click enter and then drag down that right hand corner all the way to the end of senior year in college. And if you are following along with my figures, that final cell should read $118,400.58. Now this cell represents the total account value of your college savings account in the year 2040 if you made no additional contributions and you did not take any withdrawals. So let's add in the four withdrawals during the college years. Go into your withdrawal column starting in 2037 during freshman year, type in equals and click on that year's college tuition. You will want to do the same thing for the following three cells. Once you are done, you will notice that your final cell in the end of year college savings column is now negative. Again, if you're following along with my figures, you should have a cell totaling negative $245,935.40. So let's fix that. In an ideal world, if you want to fully cover those four years of college and have $0 left, you will want that last cell to read $0. Let's start by adding in annual contribution amounts. I know for me, we will be contributing a minimum of $2,400 annually. So I'm just going to go ahead and start with that figure, even though it's a minimum number. So let's type that into each cell in our contributions column. Now I am going to end contributions at senior year of high school. This is because I do not necessarily want to be contributing to the 529 account during college years. I would rather just pay out of pocket or already have the account funded prior to freshman year. This is a personal decision on my part, so do what you will with that information. We have quite a deficit, over $170,000 in fact, which means I'm going to need to increase that annual dollar amount. 
Now you have two choices here. You can either increase all of the cells the same amount, or you can choose to increase them a little bit year over year. Essentially, you are assuming you will make more money in subsequent years and would like to increase contributions in kind. For simplicity's sake for today's episode, I am just going to increase all of the cells so that they are all the same figure. Since the deficit is so large, I am just going to double that amount from 2400 to 4800 and see where that takes us. Well, that definitely helped, but we still have about $94,000 less than we need, so I'm just going to start messing around and increasing this column until I get as close to $0 as possible. Okay, so after about three minutes of messing around, I have found the closest number I am willing to stop on. If I contribute $7,787 annually for the next 13 years, expenses are increased by 6% annually and I get an 8% annual return on my investments, I will be able to pay for four full years of Virginia Tech and have $6.43 left over. In theory. That comes out to about $650 a month, which I will admit is quite high. Now, obviously we will need to come in here every year and adjust accordingly. At the end of 2024, I can replace this end of year saving cell with the actual account value and see how everything is looking. If this is incredibly overwhelming, you can't fathom putting away $650 a month for the next 13 years or potentially more. You might instead opt to give your child a flat dollar amount. This is actually a lot easier to calculate, so let's run through a quick example. Let's say you want to have $100,000 saved by the time your child starts school in 2037. We don't care about the tuition rate, so let's go ahead and zero out that column. We also don't really care about the withdrawals, and those should automatically be zeroed out when we zero out the tuition. Okay, so if we are planning on contributing a total amount of $100,000, we will want to reach that dollar amount by the end of senior year of high school. So right now that cell reads $267,802.54. Wonderful news. We get to decrease our annual contributions. I'm going to do the same thing as before. Just mess around and keep decreasing those annual contributions until the cell I am looking at the end of year savings for senior year of high school is as close to $100,000 as I can get it. All right, so I decreased the annual amount to only $560 a year, so roughly $47 a month. And by the end of high school, that leaves the account balance totaling just over 100K. Now, don't forget, our first cell in the savings column includes any existing savings that we already have. That is why we were able to decrease that annual amount so substantially. If we did not have any existing savings, that annual amount would be much higher. All right, guys, I think I have covered pretty much everything I know about 529 accounts. If I missed anything and you have more questions, please drop a comment below and I will answer to the best of my ability. Please feel free to send this episode to someone if they need a kick in the pants. And hopefully you have a pretty good idea of how much you need to save every month to meet your objective. You know where to go to open an account and you have the tools available to choose the investments within your account. I wish you the very best on your savings journey. Thank you so much for tuning in and I will see you next Monday with a brand new episode. Later, rich girls.